Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for finding out spoilers about Endgame. Because this is going to be I was thinking of free. saying that specifically. Wait, really? Yes. I gave you literally no context for that. How, how did we, how did we both think It's just the that? first thing I thought of. And then I was like, when's this coming out? Is it too late? Has everybody already seen it already? I don't know. Everyone in the world has seen it. That's fair. We're still not going to talk about spoilers. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't make any sense for it. Not we don't really even have a good Marvel context. Kind of podcast. Yeah. I will say one thing about Marvel, though. It was very tangential. Uh, my brother just moved to LA. And he's informed me that the Walk of Fame in Hollywood is not quite as cool as it's made out to be because while the stars are there, like the stars in the concrete, there's also all these people who are dressed up in Marvel cosplay, kind of, and they try to get you to take pictures with them and to pay for it, but they're not dressed up well. Like, you think if they're going to have you pay to take pictures with them and selfies, they're going to be dressed up as Captain Dress, America or Dressed Thor up whatever. well as $10. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you no, know, they're just wearing the Thor helmet Duh. from Walmart and, a, like, a really crappily made cape. <laughs> Discount so, celebrities. Basically, yeah. So now I kind of want to commission a movie quality, movie accurate Captain America costume, go to LA, wear it, and not charge people to take pictures of me just to stick it to them. Well, that'll show them. Yeah, that'll show them. I don't know what what it's going to show them. I call dibs on Doctor Strange. That would be pretty cool too. Actually, I think you could pull that off pretty well if you just got the gray streaks in your hair. You got the hairstyle done right? I'm working on it. I'm really trying to stress myself out. Okay. I'm just going to concentrate the stress into the, <laughs> into the, the sides shape of that I need. <laughs> into the shape that I need. Can you do that? Can you direct the cortisol I don't know, to a but, but the thing is, the harder it is for me to make that happen, the more stressed I'll be about it, which I can, I can use that. But it may backfire and just make your hair fall out, at which point you can get a wig. Yeah, Actually, then, it'll, then it'll fit even better. That's true. This works just fine. Yeah. I see nothing wrong with this Problem plan. solved. I was I was very happy with Infinity War because they gave him a beard, Captain America, which means I don't have to shave my beard off to cosplay him someday. Because I like my beard. But I would like to do that costume someday. Mm. I don't know. And apparently you can commission pretty accurate costumes from certain places on the internet. So I may do that someday. Anyway, welcome back to the podcast. My name's Thomas Frank. And I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Martin Bamey. What to do, and, y'all? Uh, we're back from lots of traveling. And you're going right back out to do uh, more traveling. I am. I am indeed. You're going to the place where I just was. What a spinning brain time. Yeah, I know, right? Friends were telling me that uh, they're inconvenienced by the fact that we always seem to go out at different times. We do that. And but it's kind of weird how close together it is because we don't... girlfriend's faults. It is. It is. You know... They could just band forces and sell art at the same conventions, but they don't. Basically, 
Anna needs to start making a little bit more cute travel yeah, art. And Ashley have to needs change to start a making bit to a little bit work more together. comic book and anime art. Oh, okay. And then they can go sell at the same conventions. Okay. <laughs> but until then, it looks like we're going to Iowa at different times. Yeah. So yeah, have fun driving tomorrow. I will tell you that my decision to fly there and rent a car was a great one. And I, I got to bring never... tables. Oh, that doesn't help. No. Well, we, we learned something interesting. Um, I didn't even know Southwest flew to Des Moines, but they do now. And I was looking at flight prices and everyone else was super expensive. And Southwest isn't in the aggregators. So Google Flights, Kayak, whatever. You don't see Southwest. So what you see is everyone else and you think, well, that's the cheapest I can get. So I was like, oh, crap. Flights to Iowa right now are 400 bucks. That's not cool. And Anna has a lot of stuff that she needs to bring and check baggage, which is more money. And we check Southwest it was like 150 or $200 That's and nice. they give you two free check bags per person. Mm. So, I mean, we had to spend a little money on the rental car, but I don't know. The way I think about it is in the past, I've always chosen to drive because I know everywhere, like I know the roads in Des Moines, having my car there is nice and it saves money, but we spend two full days driving there and back. Yeah, I got I got to move big tables and things that I, don't I even, could see I don't tables being to, an issue. That's true. I don't even know how to move that. You got to bring the tent too. Um, no, this one's an indoor market. Oh, okay, well, that's nice. That's nice. You're not gonna get rained on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what are we talking about this week? And is it tense? We're talking about being lonely. Oh. Lonely and sad. Are you lonely and sad? I'm so lonely. This episode is just me complaining that I'm lonely. This is a desperate <laughs> call for help. So No, it's not. This wasn't was even my idea. This was no, your this idea. Was my <laughs> idea. For some context, I've seen some articles floating around the internet asking the question, are we the loneliest generation? Which seems like an instant no on the surface because we are easily the most connected generation in terms of our ability to talk to basically anyone we want, wherever they are in the world. Um, You know, but a lot of these articles are making the point that maybe all this connectivity we have and maybe some of the societal changes that it has brought about are making us more lonely, more depressed, all these things. So I figured we'd talk about that on this episode. You know, I'm, I'm just wondering what you think about this assertion that we're the loneliest generation because uh, it definitely seems to me that even though we have all this connection, a lot of us do seem very lonely. Yeah. Including at some points in our lives, you and me, uh, and a lot of our friends. I mean, I like basically isolated us. myself for a long time after moving to Denver. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to do. And I'm, I would be curious to know why, like why you think that happened. Because obviously the isolation isn't something you want. And you of all people know how to go make friends because we've done episodes on it. Yeah. It's like what causes this to happen and how do you get out of it? My particular case was a little weird, you know, because my OCD got worse. I thought I was going to be leaving at one point, so I just decided not to bother meeting people. Mm -hmm. And then I was injured and had to just stay at home with a cast. But also the, the bigger thing that happens is that I just feel too busy all the time, vaguely busy, like I'm supposed to be doing something, even Mm -hmm. when I'm not. So there's no longer free time where I sit around and go, you know what would be fun? 
hanging out with somebody. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen to me anymore. That's hanging out with somebody has to be planned. And even when it is planned, it feels a little bit like I should feel guilty because it's taking away Mm -hmm. from this other stuff I'm supposed to be doing. Let me ask you a question that seems out of left field, but I think it kind of compares to this or it kind of ties into this. Um, Are you ever bored these days? No. Only yeah. anxious and guilt-ridden. <laughs> that's my version of bored now. Well, that's the we, default. We can address those ones, but yeah, that's. I find that interesting because I also never feel bored. Like I can't think of a time recently where I was sitting around feeling like I had nothing to do. But when I was a kid, and even a teenager, there was plenty of that. Yeah, I remember saying, oh, "I'm bored, mom. What do I do?" You know. But now there's none of it. Yeah, you, you had more time mm-hmm. than things that you wanted to or needed to fill it with. And now it's like, I want to or need to do everything yeah. ever. So everything is late. So I wonder if one of the factors here is just like we bite off way more than we can chew. Or maybe maybe it's, you know, maybe we can chew it, but it's enough that it fills up our entire schedules. Yeah. And then there's just no time left over for actual social interaction that doesn't feel like we are putting something off that's important. Yeah. Well, and in, in our specific case, right, so we moved, you know, to a different part of the country, mm-hmm. and it takes, I can't remember how many hours, we've talked about it before, like a billion hours of hanging out with somebody for them to start feeling like a close friend. Yeah. And, like, you got to start over. We left a bunch of people we had already basically done that with mm-hmm. and then have to start over. And that just, that's a hard thing to do in general. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I have had at least one friendship develop since moving to Denver completely organically, not spurred on by work or people moving to Denver to work with us, things like that. Mm. Because Ransom did that. Tony's doing that. But uh, my friend Taylor, I met him at the climbing gym and he's the one person who I didn't know before I moved here and who I've become very good friends with. Pretty sure I haven't really met anyone here. Okay. So I mean, I I've was, met Taylor. The, you know, you but know I, Taylor, I haven't yeah. met anybody in any other situation, not through somebody else. Yeah, and I mean, you and I had an immediate benefit when we moved here because, well, number one, you and I moved here at the same time. Yeah. In the same. That's U-Haul. convenient. So there's like immediate friend there, but uh, we also had some friends through mutual connections that already lived in Denver, so there was like a. Instant friend group. Maybe not instant close friendships, but instant people to hang out with at least. But uh, I was thinking about like how I met Taylor and whether or not that provides any insights people can use for building close friendships. Because I think a lot of the loneliness comes from people having groups that they hang out with occasionally, but no one in those groups being like a a close friend. So you go hang out every once in a while and then for the majority of your time, you still kind of feel isolated. And uh, one thing that I kind of pinpointed was the fact that I met Taylor at the climbing gym, not in a group of people. Like I showed up by myself. I don't think Anna was there at the time. And I just started talking to him or he started talking to me. I actually can't remember who, who struck it up, but it was like, Oh, Hey, how, you know, how difficult was that route? That kind of thing. Just a Mm. quick little conversation. And then, 
Climbing is nice because it actually provides an instant way for you to do something together. If you've got yeah. your belay certification, like, hey, can you belay me? Like, let's be partners on the session or something. And that makes it pretty easy to talk. So I wonder if like one potential solution to this is go out to places where there's an activity everyone's doing, but you're not necessarily in a group of people who have decided beforehand to hang out together. Yeah, I can't really make close friends hanging out in a group very easily. Yeah. It'll always remain kind of shallow and based on jokes and stuff. Because all, all the conversations until we're alone. have to go around everyone, right? Like it has to include everyone so it's probably going to be surface level. Yeah, yeah. It has to be the kind of some sort of least common denominator sort of situation. And humor is usually the gap that will fulfill everyone's needs yeah. in the groups that I'm in. You know, it's not like... Um, we all have different childhoods. We all have different interests and stuff like that. So I can't really make close friends in groups. I got to hang out with them alone. And that's hard for me to find time to do, especially because if I'm starting over, like what if I spend a bunch of time with somebody and then like they suck? It turns out they suck. Well, now I got to start mm. over again <laughs> with somebody else and be like, maybe this time will work. Let's not, you know, it's like... uh uh, like what are those games called like roguelikes or something it's like a game where you, you can't oh you yeah. can't save and all your progress is just deleted if you lose like yeah. if this one doesn't work out i just gotta start over it's permadeath yeah but i wonder is that like is that a legitimate thing to worry about i don't know about worrying about it but it's gonna make it take a long time i mean most yeah. of the reason i didn't reach out to anybody was because i didn't think i was gonna stay in denver mm. so it seemed pointless to make close friends i was just gonna leave again yeah so I guess a good question is, is that, is that a legitimate way to go about doing things? Like if you know you're leaving, is it actually pointless to go make friendships? Because I would contend that even if you made a friend and then you left, like you're still friends with that person. Yeah, but then I got to maintain another friendship and I'm already bad enough at doing <laughs> maintaining my current friendships, you know? Okay. Especially because I don't like social media. So the distance combining thing doesn't work for me mm. very well. And social media doesn't tend to make us feel very close to people in the same way as hanging out with them in person. So even yeah. if I did keep up with people really well on that, it still wouldn't be the same. Yeah. That makes sense. So I had another sort of potential reason for all this, this loneliness going around. Uh, you know how, I don't actually, I don't know if you've ever heard about this cause I've just read it in articles. Um, I've heard, a lot of people complain about dating apps like Tinder and Bumble because... Never used them. Yeah, but uh, they, I don't know. A lot of people will be like, well, people don't want to have in-depth conversations on these apps because they know there's just like a zillion other people they could swipe over to. So it's like this... Is the word dearth, does that mean a lot or does that mean not a lot? I don't know. I don't know right now. There's a lot of options. There's an abundance of options. There's a deluge. Deluge, yeah. Gandalf, can't you do anything about this deluge? There's this deluge of options, right? So I guess the, the, the common complaint is nobody wants to have an in-depth conversation because they know they could just swipe over to somebody else. Hmm. And I wonder if having your phone in your pocket, having your constant connection to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, all the social media causes that same kind of thing to happen when you are hanging out with people in person. Like... I've been in enough situations where we go out for dinner, we go out for drinks, or we go out to somewhere, and people are constantly checking their phone, answering messages, 
doing whatever, not actually having like a total, you know, completely one-on-one -on -one conversation with the other person because like there's this instant easy out. Yeah. Yeah. The second I'm novelty. bored, I'm, I'm going to, I'm backing out of this. Yeah. Um, you're boring for a few seconds. Let me just ignore you and find somebody less boring. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, all of my close friends, for the most part, there have been times where either either we were bored at, at like minimum or even times where I was like not on good terms with people or we were like mad at each other, but still like in the same place for the night anyway. Yeah. And you got to really push through it. And that's part of what ended up making the connections closer mm -hmm. because you deal with the boredom and or the occasional negative things or the like, oh, it sucks. This this dude's day sucks. Yeah. So today's going to be a little less fun. His uh, grandma's uncle's dog twice removed just died. Yeah. And um, if we can just escape that negative feeling and say, oh, this is a little awkward. Let me go to my Instagram and post some selfies and pretend like I'm happy. Yeah. Then like, where's, where's the investment during the difficult times, mm -hmm. which are the ones that bring you really close together, like when it's not convenient. You know, I think about this a lot. When I was in middle school and high school, I was like a skateboarder. I don't know if you were, but there's like a certain I had a group of kids that are the skateboarders. And at least in my school, some of the people in that group weren't the nicest people. Like they were kind of bullies. And I was kind of a skateboarder, but I never really fit in with the skateboarders didn't really fit in with a whole lot of groups, but I would often like try to hang out with them or I'd be at the skate park and like pseudo hang out with them. And there was one kid who I would sometimes hang out with and sometimes he'd be really cool. And I'd even go over to his house sometimes, play video games and like he'd act like a friend. And then sometimes he would be in groups with some of those other people and I think they would rub off on him and he would kind of be a jerk to me. Mm. But Weirdly enough, when I think back to the people in high school who I had the most in-depth, intense conversations with, he's like one of the top three. And there were a couple times where like we just were hanging out alone without that whole group. And, you know, I talked more in depth than some of the people who I would call my best friends in high school. And I wonder if like the, the thing that caused that to happen was the fact that I couldn't just retreat into this online world where I could just you know, it'd be like, oh, well, this person, I should just write them off because they're a jerk sometimes. Yeah. I can go to my Twitter. I can go to my, my online friends, my discourse, my gaming friends, all that stuff on the internet. We do a lot of writing people off these yeah. days. You know, whether it's like like uh, your politically distant uncle or something, you're just yeah. like, that branch of my family's dead to me because we had an argument on Thanksgiving. Now, we could show up every Thanksgiving, settle our differences and... You know, but that wouldn't be politicized. That wouldn't be polarizing. Mm -hmm. Let's just abandon everything that we immediately dislike. And yeah. um, I don't know. It's like a lot of the people that I'm friends with, a lot of my closest friends, like they don't even, even, even Ashley, you know, we're engaged. She doesn't check off a lot of obvious boxes I would look for if I were to make some sort of list or I don't know what people do on Tinder, a list of qualities I'm looking for. Like, oh, I'm I'm really interested in anyone who's interested in foreign language or, mm. or, or culture or cooking or photography or any of these things. Like almost no one I hang out with or care about does any of those things. None yeah. of them care about the hobbies I hold dear. And yet they are all my closest friends and my fiance. Mm -hmm. 
maybe this is showing me that those hobbies and the shallow connections that we would look for over social media or things like that and um you know that we would abandon people immediately if they did if we thought oh they don't like anything we like we'll just hang out with this person over here like those weren't even the important factors at yeah. all they meant nothing to whether i was close friends with people yeah yeah i think there's like this this culture of like canceling people on the internet yeah i'm it's just I'm you're, uninvested you're not, you're not sitting in the same room with them you can't see their face there's not that empathy there i feel like you have to i don't know purposely generate empathy when you're looking at a computer screen and judging what people oh, do yeah. it's so easy to get in arguments because you don't they're like an abstract concept right now that you're yeah. trying to shut down not a person who may be a defensive or misunderstanding what you're saying yeah yeah and usually they don't get a chance to defend themselves if you don't like something that they said because it's i don't know it's like a tweet or something or a status and you're just like well i don't like that yeah and i don't know i think a lot of people are also conflict averse so they won't say anything yeah you know, and maybe maybe there's more to it than just the the lack of close proximity. Maybe the fact that there's so many people on the internet and we have all of these things brought about by the internet that cause us to seek out like the quote unquote best of everything. Product reviews on Amazon, top 10 lists, all these things. Maybe that kind of subconsciously makes us feel like we have to find the best people to associate with. And it makes us less likely to work through the tough spots well, with I mean, people we know. We already see this sometimes when we get the questions that are like, you know you know the saying, like, you're the product of your five closest friends or whoever, yeah. that kind of thing, which has, like, loose parts of it that I'm like, yes, that, that makes sense to some degree, but then mm -hmm. we'll still get questions where people are like, does this mean I should just basically dump all of my non-productive friends? I want to do things. Yeah. Like, we're willing to just throw away people because they don't fit our immediate needs. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it's just shallow by design. I think that may be harsh wording. I don't think that most people consciously make the decision to throw a person away, but oh, no, it's, it's like the common. little decisions. Like I'm not going to invite that person out. I'm not going to call the person up and ask to hang out tonight because you know, we don't have a whole lot in common or they said that one thing that I didn't agree with. And I've, still watching this show on netflix like i haven't caught up on stranger things yet i think i'll just stay in tonight yeah i wonder if it's like the little day-to-day -day decisions like that that just stack and stack and stack until all of a sudden we feel like oh we're lonely like we haven't talked to anybody i haven't had like a real connection with people in a long time and i'm just sort of isolated well you i think you build a habit you know yeah. i'm too busy to hang out with you today based on um, all of the things that I have going on, even if I feel vaguely busy for no reason. Well, is that going to change tomorrow? Nope, didn't change tomorrow. If this happens for like a week straight because I'm just having a busy week, maybe the next time I'm free, I'll be like, oh, thank God I have time for my Switch finally. <laughs> yep, yep. Or, or finally, I can work on this piano piece I've been writing. I'll immediately jump to some other project. Maybe I won't jump to the people I've been neglecting. I'll jump to the me I've been neglecting first. Yeah. And then I won't ever get time for the people. Which is ironically something you need for you. Which is more important <laughs> because without the without the people connections, eventually all the projects that I work on for myself start to feel a little less important. You know, it's not, yeah. even, it's not even like I have the people around me validate them. I don't go around asking people what they think of all the things I work on. And, and a lot of times people blatantly don't care. No one I hang out with cares about the language stuff for the most part. Yep. Just at all. It means nothing. But I still feel like, what's the point of 
working on myself if I can't connect with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Audible, which is the best place on the internet to get your hands on audiobooks. And uh, I will say that I am a huge fan of Audible personally. In fact, I spent probably more time than I should have literally today listening to a book on Audible. You fool. Because I'm addicted. So every single time we do an Audible recommendation, we have uh, recommendations for specific audiobooks that you might want to check out because when you sign up for Audible by going over to audible.com slash CIG or by texting CIG to 500-500 on your phone, you're not only going to get a 30-day free trial of Audible along with two Audible originals that you can't get anywhere else, you're also going to get one free audiobook download of your choice and we like to give some recommendations for that free audiobook download. So the one that I'm going to recommend is just the one that I am completely addicted to listening to right now, which is called Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. It is the uh, entire history and expose of the whole Theranos case with Elizabeth, uh, why, why am I brain farting on her name right now? Elizabeth Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes, oh. except for like not nearly as cool as Sherlock Holmes. But the reporting is great and... Uh, it's just absolutely fascinating audiobook. So that is going to be my recommendation. Not a productivity book, but you know what? There's only so many productivity books in the world. And like we talked about in the Leonardo da Vinci video that you wrote, it is important to become a T-shaped person. Yep. You want to build some deep expertise in a few areas where you can make a really big contribution, but you also want to start building a wide base of knowledge in lots of different areas so you can creatively pull from all these different fields to do cool things that have never been done in your deep areas of expertise. And one of the ways you do that is by reading widely or listening widely in this case. Yeah. So right now where I'm listening is to this story about Theranos and learning about the biotechnology industry and some of the limitations that have caused, uh, you know, a lack of progress with blood testing, all kinds of stuff, huh. but it's also just really fascinating audiobook. So that's my recommendation. What's yours? Well, as I've recommended once before, since I mentioned in the episode, I'm going to recommend If This Isn't Nice, What Is by uh, Kurt Vonnegut again. It's a it's a collection of his commencement speeches, you know, given a students graduating. An audiobook is the absolute perfect format for it because that's literally how he delivered these speeches in the first place. Mm -hmm. And um, in a recent episode, we had talked about what to do if you're if you're not that into like long form books and your attention can't handle it or you don't have the time well these are separate speeches so it's like a collection of that's you true. can listen to one speech today on your yeah. commute tomorrow's commute listen to a new speech you get a you get a completely new thing every time okay so if you're trying to get into that listening or reading habit yeah that's a pretty good place to start because get inspired build a something. habit yeah. listen to some speeches sweet so what is it called again if this isn't nice what is if this isn't nice what is or Bad Blood, either one, or any audiobook if you're choosing, because like I said before, you get a free audiobook download and you can choose whatever audiobook you want from their library, which has an unmatched selection. They have all the bestsellers, they have lots of obscure stuff, and they've got audiobook choices in basically any genre you're gonna want. Psychology, science fiction, science history, basically everything. And one of the nice things I like about their app is they have this clip function where you can basically create a bookmark at any timestamp in the audiobook you're listening to and add notes to it. So for people who want to actually take notes while they're listening, that is an awesome feature to have. 
Now, once your membership is active, you're gonna get one more credit every single month to download any audiobook in that library, plus two Audible originals that you cannot get anywhere else, and they change from month to month. You'll see them in the app, along with over 100 different meditation and exercise programs. So once again, to get started, you can go over to audible.com slash CIG, and that is A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash CIG or text CIG to 500 500 on your phone to get that free audiobook download of your choice, two free Audible originals and a 30 day trial of the Audible service. Big thanks as always to Audible for sponsoring this episode and supporting our show and let's get back into it. But uh, I don't know. I feel like it's it's like a balancing act, right? Because you still need time to work on yourself. Yeah, you still, you need still time do for the things that you want to do. But with um. You know, with with social media and apps trying to trick us into forming um, destructive habits to take mm-hmm. all of our time away because that's how they get all their microtransactions or whatever, and jobs that expect us to be on call twenty four seven. That too, yeah. We we don't have any solid time off. And then, I guess that's another part of it is, for better or for worse, all the gig economy stuff, all the flexible working schedules that often results in people being in loosely knit social groups, but their schedule's just not working you have to You all. have to work hard. You have to schedule people. In mm-hmm. college, we just kind of had, well, we basically know when roughly everyone's out of class and they all happen to come hang out in this dorm. Yeah. We don't try that hard. We didn't schedule 30 people to come to the apartment today. They all just thought, I'm going to show up there. I'm done with class. It was obvious yeah. when to go. And that actually, I mean, that is a good argument for putting in some effort to make friends at your job or at school, because those people probably have a very similar schedule to what you Mm. have. You know, like going out after work with Burke friends, maybe they're not like instantly people who have all the same interests you have, but they're there. Yeah. And if you can make time for anybody at all, like what if it's still not enough people? You know, in school, we basically, we spent hours with tons of people all the time by virtue of simply being around them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, even the acquaintances that I had in classes, I would probably feel more prepared to talk to. Yeah. Simply because I had been around them so much and I heard them talk and I kind of know what they're into. And it would be easy to strike up a conversation. We already have tons of shared context to go from. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's this there's this thing that Kurt Vonnegut talks about in a, in a book called if this isn't nice what is it's a collection of commencement speeches he gave that's right i think you recommended that once when we did like yeah yeah i really liked it but um basically there are two things one uh paraphrasing here because it's a long quote he says we're really lonely because we don't have enough friends and relatives human beings are supposed to live in stable extended families of 50 people or more communities and such um but we've got like, you know, we're trying to be everything for a small amount of people. So then you've got marriages falling apart. And one of the reasons in his mind, uh, one of the reasons is that we're trying to be the entire society for the other person. Yeah. When, That's um, tough. like I just said, Ashley doesn't check off any of those boxes. I do not, ex- I'm not going to force her to get into language so that she can be the person interested in linguistics. Mm-hmm. I just need to meet somebody else who's interested in linguistics. Like we, we need tons of people. And what if, what if she's like, sick of me you know she can't yeah uh, i guess we'll hang out again you need different people to connect to and we kind of shut ourselves off especially when we move across the country to get a job which you generally have to do after school and you 
start out sort of isolated. And if you don't make a strong effort to meet new people, then you don't. And then you have like yeah, and one, it becomes maybe. easier and easier to just be like, oh, I've lived here for a year. Why Why should I go yeah. out and meet people yeah, now? Yeah, it's a habit. <laughs> it's a habit. And then um, to, this, to this effect, there was um, an anecdote in here about a friend of Vonnegut who had asked his advice when he wanted to move from a small town in Iowa, coincidentally, to a prestigious job on the East Coast. And Vonnegut said, roughly, I'm sure that you're highly valued and badly needed where you are now. That must be nice. If you move east, you may find things are a lot less personal. Mm. So the guy stays behind, and he's like, this is one of the best decisions I've made because I'm needed here by a community. I matter. But when I move out to here into the city and I don't make an intent to make a big community, everybody's busy. There are just millions of busy people around me that don't care about me unless I make an attempt to reach out. Yeah. So you've become... You know, instead of a big fish in small pond or something like that, you're you're hanging out with people you know, mm-hmm. and you feel like you can make a difference to the people around you. you know, I when I was in L.A. recently, I didn't feel like I could make a strong, immediate difference to everybody. There were too many people. Like, who am I even going to focus on? Yeah. So, I want to preface where I want to go from here with um, <laughs> a statement that I am not an expert on depression, anxiety, anything. I mean, if anything, you are much more of an expert on these things than I am just having experienced more of it than I have. I've had a little bit of it, but I have a theory about one of the potential causes for what I see as an increase in depression. Yeah. Like more people have it. And it's basically what you just said. It seems like now more than ever, more people feel like they aren't needed. Yeah. Like we have built this incredible capitalistic machine where you can get a job, you can provide a service, like you are doing something of value, but the value is so abstracted. Maybe you're like, you get paid $50,000 a year to make spreadsheets. Well, you're not out like bringing a buffalo carcass home to feed your family you're doing spreadsheets and you don't really know what exactly it's contributing. Maybe you're adding like 1% to the bottom line of a giant company whose managers you don't really know. So you go home and you feel like, well, I've provided for myself. I've been given this money that I can use to go buy groceries and feed myself, but who's actually benefiting? Who is depending on me? And I remember reading about programs where inmates in prisons were given dogs to take care of. And it just like, brightens their mood makes them a lot more productive a lot nicer all these things and i think it's because like they have been given a life to care for yeah so you know and i would be curious to hear other people's thoughts in the comments on like the youtube version of this but in my mind i feel like the more we build this society where there's just like all this compartmentalization and all of your contributions are sort of you know put into some big machine of abstraction the more people are going to feel isolated, lonely, and depressed because they don't get to see the faces of the people that they are contributing towards and helping. Yeah, it's like I'm, you... I'm a cog and money magically shows up for yeah. – I don't, I don't really know a reason. You know, it just shows up when I just do this thing that mm-hmm. I'm not even doing a really good job. I stopped trying a while ago, but money keeps showing up, I guess. Yeah. So I honestly think, like, if people feel isolated, if they feel depressed, like, one thing they should – try doing is going out and volunteering like big brothers big sisters 
uh, go do like a pancake drive or something. I honestly think like if you if you volunteer with a group of people, you're going to feel like you're actually making a difference and you won't feel so isolated. Yeah. And I, I definitely know people who had spent like a stretch of time unemployed or something and eventually sort of just came to feel worthless. And then it only gets worse at that point because then they isolated themselves, yeah. didn't really care to try at this point. What's the reason mm-hmm. to even bother? I'm worthless. And then they don't do the things that would ever make them feel like they had worth. Now they have a job. Everything about them is different. They're like a completely different person because they're like, wait a second, I'm doing something for somebody again. Yeah. I'm doing something for myself again. I'm doing anything at all. Yeah. I think that we are hardwired to, to need to contribute. Yeah. There's, and I wonder if we can find the study, but I read a, a report about a, a study that was done on like all these different species of animal. And they're basically given the choice of being given food or having to do something to get the food. And like most of the species ended up preferring to actually putting a little bit of work in there, except for cats. It's because cats are smart. <laughs> cats are totally, totally happy to just be served. They don't want to put in any effort, but apparently most of the other species that were tested, um, they would rather put in a little bit of work. They would rather have to actually earn the reward. And I think we're hardwired to want to earn the rewards too. Yeah. And, and this doesn't mean like everybody will be happier if they have like a just a job. Like clearly we were just talking about a job, like a type of job where you still yeah. wouldn't feel fulfilled. It's like you you want to do something that you feel is important somehow. Well, what are the three factors that lead to job satisfaction? Autonomy, competence, and a feeling like what you're doing actually contributes something positive. Yeah. Like those three things, even if you're doing work that you don't think is kind of in your wheelhouse, if you have those three things, you're likely to be satisfied with it to some degree. And I don't think that's like only for your job. Like feeling like you have control of your life, feeling like you're good at things, like you have value, but also feeling like what you're doing with your life in general is having a positive impact will make you feel better. Yeah. And I, actually, that's maybe also a thing is one would think maybe, well, wait, shouldn't being paid a whole bunch of money be one of those factors? Because we're also shown all these constantly ultra successful people on Instagram or whatever. You know, stu- we got student debt. We're all feeling bad about money. And then maybe money is the answer to fix it then. Maybe if I just made this much more, it would be okay. And to a degree, that does make us happier and more likely to do stuff. But At some point, we've formed a bit of a habit around valuing the money instead of the other things, Mm -hmm. not realizing that another even 10 grand a year after you've reached a certain point where you're not struggling for food and such, that 10 grand is far less valuable than just making maybe another friend this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we think I I need new things, (laughs) not new friends. You know, if I just... And maybe I can't even make new friends because I don't have the coolest new thing. Mm -hmm. And we sort of kind of get tricked into valuing the wrong thing that gets us stuck. Yeah. Yeah, this is absolutely true. I think like if if you can earn enough money to where you can go to the grocery store and not worry about the prices of the food that you're going to cook for dinner, like, and you know, your bills are paid, those things like that's the point at which you want to get to financially. And I think it really does improve your happiness. But you're right. After a certain point, 
making more money does not make you happier. Yeah, but you get so used to chasing it until you hit the point you do. that you may just keep chasing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of people, and I fall victim to this myself, they get caught up in the acceleration of what they're making and they don't want to see that slow down. Yeah. It's like an addiction. Yeah, it is like an addiction. It's very, very similar to and that. And the sad thing is it will slow down someday. Like even Jeff Bezos will start to make less money or the gains will be less. Yeah. There's just only so many resources to be created and, and purchased, you know? So like that is an unsustainable, and I'm not saying Jeff Bezos has, that's his only goal in life, but I'm saying like if, if you're just chasing those accelerating returns, that's unsustainable. Yeah. And I mean, even I have these sort of feelings occasionally Mm -hmm. because, you know, growing up poor, I basically have this instinct that's like any second everything is going to be gone. You're going to break your hands again. Yeah. You're going to lose all your money. Something terrible is going to happen. Be prepared. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Something terrible is coming. So then it's like I'm I'm focused on these things, not realizing that at some point those feelings are causing a cycle of those feelings. They're, yeah. they're allowing me to spiral in that direction. What I really would need is if um, – I found other needs that need fulfilled, I might be distracted and stop worrying so much about worry Yeah. in general. Yeah. I mean, something that I can contribute here, um, since like late 2017, I mean, this is very fortunate, but the business has started making enough money to the point where like, personally, I don't worry about money anymore. And for a while that was great, but something that happened in 2019 and even late 2018 is I found myself in certain periods where I felt depressed and I had to think about it for a while, but I think like a lot of it had to do with the fact that even though I knew I was putting out helpful things into the world, like it gets to a point where the people that are near me, I don't feel like I'm having a huge impact and the people that I know I'm having an impact on, like they're very far away and it's kind of hard to make that connection always. Yeah. So, and you know, certain things started happening. Like my editor decided to move out here and I was like, Oh my gosh, I can work hard to enable that for him. And then, uh, we talked about, you know, your girlfriend eventually being able to do like location independent, sell art, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's really, really motivating for me to be able to like, maybe we can make that happen someday. And, I've just sort of realizing like, oh, the, the potential, the, the potentiality of enabling these big goals for other people is actually really motivating. Yeah. And it's not making more money for me at all. Like it's, that's barely a motivation. And that's, this is part of how like communities are built. When people hang out around each other enough, they start to care about each other's problems, yeah. not just their own. Yeah. I could focus on my own problems all day, but I'm probably just going to spiral myself into some anxiety. But the second I have someone else's problem to solve, mm-hmm. you know, like, so ev- even in like the depths of the worst, like OCD stuff going on, for the most part, if I'm having just a terrible stuck in my head day, but then like something's wrong with, with Ashley, something bad happened, you know, something frustrating at work, my mind will, just, I'll snap out of it. I'll immediately be like, I remembered what was important now. Yep. Let me solve this problem. I'm in I'm in helping somebody else mode. I'm not worrying about myself. And the same is like you got a pet. You got to care for the dog. You need to take care of this. That dog doesn't understand the abstract things that are bothering you. Yeah. It only understands that you're ignoring it. So stop <laughs> ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, I think it was a couple months ago now, but I think we had a day where I think Anna and I had gone to a coffee shop. We came home. And she was just kind of down. And I was like, why, 
what's going on? And she said, well, I feel like we haven't spent a whole lot of really quality time together lately. We just sort of work next to each other. And I remember I had all these things in my head, like I really need to write a video today. These deadlines are coming up. I got to get it done. But she said that, and it was just like you said, my brain snapped out of that. I immediately, like it was clarity. I immediately knew, okay, that I can get done tomorrow. I know if I buckle down, I can get it done tomorrow. Today, clearing out the schedule. Yeah. I'm going to go hang out with Anna. Yeah, and maybe if we don't Actually get a chance to help other people feel better mm-hmm. often enough, we start to dwell on our own problems or our own insecurities or our own lack of ability to just throw away all of our debt and say, ha, stick it to the man, and then we'll be rich and alone and finally happy. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think you have to be close to these people. You know, and I say this because as I'm talking about this and expressing these feelings, I feel like guilty for feeling like I need to be close to the people I'm helping because like clearly we're trying to help people with our entire business here, but it's really not that different than any other business. Like everyone doing work worth doing is helping people in some way. Maybe it's just, you know, it's maybe not as direct as putting out advice videos. Yeah. I think but the everyone is, is doing something to help people but that doesn't always make you feel like you're contributing because it's really abstracted or, or, you know, like it's people that are just communicating to you electronically. And as good as that is, it's, it doesn't really replace having people in your life that you see in person that you know you're impacting. Yeah. It's just not the same, especially through text, even through like FaceTime, it's not quite the same. Depending on your connection or the resolution or how big your phone is, you may not even be getting micro expressions, which are yeah. an important part of understanding people. These things last less than like half a second, mm-hmm. just little tiny things. And then no matter how many tweets I get or Instagram DMs or whatever about helping people, I, I appreciate it and I love that I can help people. Yeah. But when I was teaching English, I could see in their face – how much of a difference I was making. I could see that I was giving them hope to be yeah. able to find a job in America, to be able to learn them to actually succeed and change the direction of their entire lives. Yep. And it is different to see and feel that in person. Right. It's like, um, you know, we're not adapted to the technology. This stuff's only been along. I mean, I I barely had internet growing up. We have not been built for this we are not adapted to this yeah it's great but we still have other needs that haven't decided oh yeah you're right people are dumb i have a phone now like my my brain doesn't know that yet <laughs> yeah it'll learn maybe i don't want it to learn that like i just m- want to hang out with people million more. <laughs> years of phone usage and yeah hopefully we can minimize but like this we've usage. had this i didn't even have a smartphone until like 10 years ago it's but mm-hmm. i had a whole bunch of years before then yeah. to not be ready for this So I had one other thought here. I wonder if all these different forms of communication we have now that are easier and more convenient make us timid when it comes to communicating with people in more meaningful ways. So here's what I mean by this. How many people call you up these days? Oh, no one calls me. Call my mom sometimes. Right? That's basically the only person I ever talk to on the phone is my mom. The only person I can think of who calls me besides my mom is uh, my friend Antonio Centeno from Real Men Real Style. And he's probably, you know, at least 15 years older than I am. So he's a little older. Uh, and sometimes he will just call me up to chat. 
And honestly, I really appreciate it. Uh, but usually it's texts. And like, how, how often do you go up to your neighbor's house and knock on the door and ask for something? Or I don't know my neighbors. I don't want to know you, my how neighbors. How often do you go to your friend's Keep house and knock on the door? I remember when I was a kid, I would go to my friend's house all the time, knock on the door and be like, hey, is you know is Dylan here? Can he come outside and play? We used to do that all the time. Now it's just like text people, yo, what's up? Like, <laughs> what are you up to? All that kinds of thing. And I was, I was literally picking my mom up from her, her house. And I was debating, like, should I go up and knock on her door or just text her and tell her to come down? I, I texted her. And I'm like, do you want to come down and meet me? Or should I go up to like knock on your door first or like go to your apartment first? And realized before cell phones and text messaging, I would have just gotten out of my car and done it. Can I make you more convenient, please? Could you? <laughs> yeah, it's like access to text messaging, instant messaging, whatever. It makes us timid. We don't go out and just do the thing. Like yeah. go to the person's house and see if they're there. Because number one, what if they're not home? Oh, big inconvenience. And I could have just avoided that inconvenience through text messaging. Valid. Number two, I'm going to be inconveniencing them. If I don't like, why not just text them? You know? Yeah. I, I get the convenience factor of it, but I honestly wonder if the ability to just text somebody and the fact that, you know, we have this implicit knowledge that that device is in everyone's pocket all the time. I can reach them whenever I want, you know, and I can reach them in a very, a fairly unobtrusive way makes us hesitant to actually reach out in them ways that mean more. I mean, if we're used to not having to try very hard to contact them, will we try very hard when we have to, or will we just wait until it's easy again? Yeah. And again, it's not, it's not like a intense, like I'm not going to go knock on their door. I'm not going to reach out intensely. It's more just like the split second decisions that compound upon each other. And each one doesn't seem like it matters. I'll just give them a text. It's just a little habit, a little Mm -hmm. accidental habit. It's like when I say, no, I probably shouldn't hike this weekend. I have something I need to work on. We'll mm-hmm. hike next weekend. Yeah. I didn't up front say I'm never hiking this year, but I may very well never hike this year if I accidentally pick that up as a habit. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, we, or at least me, I've gotten into the habit of just texting people, and you don't get the same kind of interaction through that. You don't hear people laugh. You see emojis, I guess. Yeah. But it's not the same. No, it's not. It's not the same. And the phone's not the same as hanging out in person. I remember back in my day. <laughs> you know, and this isn't me saying that everything people was had 3D was presences. <laughs> Here, here's what we got to do. We just got to all meet in VR. Then at least I can see your well, avatar. I wonder if talking digitally to people will work. Like, will we feel closer when we have super high def, like Star Wars holograms? Maybe. Would that change it? Would that make it feel better for us? Possibly, especially if it could, if it was high enough resolution to like capture all the facial expressions properly and the body language, would it work? I don't know, but I don't, know I don't have that yet. Yeah. Right now I have a tiny box that can maybe show a face that's four inches tall, mm-hmm. which is just not the same. Well, the funny thing is like they came out with FaceTime and I remember watching movies as a kid where like, you know, video conferencing on a mobile device was like future tech, Star Trek tech. Now yeah. we have it. Who uses it? No, I just text. You just text. I don't really use that except for like, you know, if Ashley's at the store and she needs me to yep. look at something. It's a, it's an uh, as needed, not for let's connect better. It's just, mm-hmm. is this con- 
convenient. Show me something to make life easier. Again, we're addicted to convenience, Yeah, which seems logical. It makes a lot of sense. Why would you want something to be inconvenient? Yeah. But we're shortcutting a lot of good things on accident. You know, I, this reminds me, I also remember reading an article recently about how text messaging and Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and all these things have basically, uh, what's the word for it, where things are made obsolete? They've gotten rid of the need for hellos and goodbyes, essentially. Oh. Because yeah, you're just is there constantly... ever really a hello and a goodbye? No, you just stop texting. You just ignore them for a while. Mm-hmm. And then you pop back in. Yeah. No one thinks anything of it. That's interesting. But I kind of hate that. It's it's anxiety inducing. And, you know, I yeah. hate red receipts, too, because I'm like, <laughs> I turn those off, but I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. And I if we were on a phone, I would have just said, hey, I got to go. Mm-hmm. But it feels weird to say that in the chat because there there is really no reason I could just answer later. Or even when I was a teenager using um, MSN Messenger, there was like G2G. Because I was going to bed, turn my computer off or whatever. But now, like, yeah. the phone's always there. The battery's never dead. There's never a real, like, serious, I gotta go. Because I don't. I could text you whenever I want. And you could text me whenever you want. Forever. Yeah. It's just this ongoing, informal, never-ending conversation. But how quality is that interaction? You know, they say that things like absence makes the heart grow, grow fonder. And, uh... The whole Pareto principle, or is it the Pareto principle or no, Parkinson's law? The work expands to fill the time allotted for it. When we have infinite time for something, we don't really put a whole lot of effort into it because we could do, we could do it next week. We could do it in a month. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it too. There's never a real feeling of absence, but it's not real quality interaction. And there's never a real feeling like this is going to end. So it just is kind of low effort. Yeah. And it's not like social media and all this stuff's evil. It's just if it it gives you kind of a shallow version of the, the feeling of community and kinship mm-hmm. that we would have in person. And if we use it to further the real one, that's totally cool. Yeah. You know, I I just had to text a whole bunch of people to be like, Hey, I'm I'm coming to Iowa. Yep. Bunch of people that I want I want to see. But if I allow the shallow things to completely replace the closer in-person things simply because they're more convenient, I've written people off as an inconvenience, which mm-hmm. hurts me and all of them. But yeah. you know, it helps no one except yeah. for maybe Mark Zuckerberg's. <laughs> maybe maybe he's fine with <laughs> he it. He makes more money, gets to send more ads your way, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's. I guess it comes down to this. Because you said it wasn't evil, and I agree. But before all this stuff existed, there was an external limitation that caused us to have to behave in certain ways. You only got to see people for limited amounts of time. Maybe sometimes we lived in groups. There's all these things that we were sort of forced to do. And now we're not forced to do any of that. So the limitations have to be manufactured internally. Like you just have to become more disciplined. Yeah. You got to be the one to choose to put your phone away at dinner. You got to be the one to choose to call somebody instead of text them or actually make a plan to hang out and make sure that time is quality. Yeah. And not abandon like a friend or a family member, even temporarily, just because like uh, we slightly disagreed on something slight. My car would look way better if it was blue. I hate <laughs> you now. Yeah. Like we just, we jump ship at the first sign of 
any inconvenience or discomfort. Mm-hmm. We got to be able to be uncomfortable with people. Yeah. Yeah. We need more, more exposure to, to discomfort. And that's a theme that has come yeah. up many, many times when it comes to habit building and self-discipline in, in general areas. But yeah, we haven't really talked about it when it comes to our personal relationships, but I think it applies there too. I mean, all these, all these upgrades to all the things, like one of the biggest things is we're making life more convenient. Mm-hmm. But if we're then tricked by these sort of marketing ideas and new things into thinking that life is about being more convenient, yeah, then it's no good. That's not the point. There's yeah. a limit to where convenience is no longer helping. The inconvenience makes us better people sometimes. Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't be going for ultimate convenience. You know, maybe we do need to live a little more Spartan lifestyles. I mean, as a ridiculously cartoonish example, I just thought of if I wanted to like help a bunch of homeless people or, or even just, I'll just help one homeless person, right? I want to, I want to bring them a sandwich. They're hungry. It would be efficient if I just sprinted past them and threw the sandwich at their face. (laughs) But we can clearly see that efficiency was not the answer. I mean, maybe they'll still eat the sandwich, but they're probably not as appreciative as if I would have acted like a human for four seconds. Yep. You want to break up with the person you're dating? Just text, we threw. Yeah, it's convenient. It's efficient. Why would I waste time on all this negativity? I got to move on with my life. Yep. (laughs) It's kind of like that episode of Rick and Morty where like the toxic machine pulls the toxins out. Like Morty's actually a worse person because of it. <laughs> really, sometimes you need the inconvenience and the anxiety and whatever it is. Yeah. Makes you human. So, yeah, I feel like we covered more territory than I was anticipating with this episode. But. We'll cover all the territory. <laughs> all the This territory. is Manifest Destiny. Yeah. Going all the way to this topic has the been claimed. coast of California. I doubt it's been claimed. And past it. Hey, I was there. Yeah. So I think kind of what we started off with was be willing to accept some discomfort with your relationships because that's what most people have had to deal with for the entire history of humankind. And I think that's healthy. Yeah. And then find find a way to feel like you're making a contribution. If you feel isolated, if you feel like nobody really needs you, well, there are people out there who need someone, and it could be you. It probably should be. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you need to internally build some of those inconveniences back into your life because the conveniences afforded to us by all our technology actually keep us separated if we let them. And if there is anything else, I don't know if I... Yeah, I don't know. Remember it. So. I don't know. It's a very, it's, you know, it's like a loose abstract topic mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, try to be happy or whatever. That's, <laughs> try to be happy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's my solid advice for the day. Yeah, there we go. Well, we also did an episode on how to make friends. And I tried really hard not to retread a whole lot of that territory. Yeah. Because it yeah. already exists on the podcast. Well, you know what? I met a person in person in California doing a pokemon go raid so now i have a friend in japan there you go wait were they from japan yeah and there was a region exclusive legendary Mm. and we were both trying to get it okay and so bam accidental in-person contact really it kind of made my day yeah that's actually pretty cool because like we were talking about earlier the group things often make it hard to make a real connection 
because it's super surface level. But when you go out to a place where there are a lot of people doing one thing, but it's sort of not a group thing. Uh, it was easy to like find one person to talk to. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because great. my only example was going to the rock climbing gym, but no, yeah, I did Pokemon it through Go. an incredibly solitary seeming yeah. <laughs> niche, niche thing inclu- that uses my smartphone. And, and the fun thing is like Pokemon Go, you can do it anywhere. But it was great. Also, I did get legendary. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> good job. <laughs> good, good job. But son. that's not the important part. I got to speak a little <laughs> Japanese and meet somebody new. And that was unexpected yeah. because I went out of my way to go do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was great. Well, heck, maybe they need to play more Pokemon Go maybe. or try out that new Harry Potter one. Ooh, did you tell Ashley about that? Oh, she's aware. I don't know. If, I don't know. Okay. She's, she's like vaguely interested, but I don't think she'll actually do it. She's mm. never been one for video game type thing. But, but it's, it's a Harry Potter video game type thing. True. It's different. But she'd probably just rather rewatch the movies over <laughs> and over. That's true. <laughs> or read her 17th special edition of the first book. I can't say I've helped that habit by buying more special <laughs> editions. No, you have helped it. Well, I haven't helped it go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. Uh, what is this, 263? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think it is. So cigpodcast.com slash 263 is where you can go to find the show notes for this episode, which will link to uh, our episode on how to make friends. I've also got a couple of YouTube videos on that. So in addition to some of the more abstract concepts we talked about in this episode, there's some more concrete tips that we mentioned in that episode about how to go out and build new relationships. And that might be a good place to start if you feel like you don't have a whole lot of friends where you live or whatever. And uh, if any of the studies I mentioned are actually real, and they weren't just like made up things in a business insider article or something, then we'll have links to those as well, uh, provided we can find them. Beyond that, you can go over to cigpodcast.com to subscribe to this show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically any podcast app you could think of. So if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to it in the browser and you want to get new episodes delivered to your device of choice every single Monday morning, well, you can go over there and get subscribed you can also go to uh, collegeinfogeek.com slash resources, which has our favorite apps, tools, books we recommend, and our merch, including our Never Stop Learning mug, which is pretty cool and contains delicious coffee. Well, the one that you... It comes with it. The one you buy won't contain delicious coffee. This is my delicious coffee. But you can make your own. I just buy caribou coffee from the store. It's pretty good. Have a little half and half, you know. Fair enough. We would have to charge extra to ship the coffee in the mug yeah and it's just sloshing and the package in the mail. Be quite damp that'd be great it'd be gross i'm gonna send you old coffee <laughs> i actually often have a little bit of old coffee in the pot every time so i could probably provide that okay. for a few customers well there you go but yeah a direct link to our merch page is just collegeinfogeek.com slash merch in case you want to pick up a mug or a t-shirt or uh you know what else we have singularity box forgot about that the singularity is the here singularity is here yeah we're all going to become part of one giant super intelligence but until that happens the singularity is a cool subscription box once per quarter you get all kinds of really cool stuff from uh people like me but also lots of other great creators cgp gray kurska sat tier zoo all the kind of people who work with standard so yeah check it out there is a in the current one there is a special edition of my book 
with a cover that you cannot get anywhere else. So if you're the kind of person who wants special edition covers. There it is. Of, you know, a book that is free, so the content's no different. Look at me being a great marketer over here. For the Thomas Frank collector <laughs> in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to meet a Thomas Frank collector. I'm a little scared. <laughs> the collector requests your presence. I don't know what you said last last episode, but you said something that was vaguely shilling for us. Uh, and then we talked about how we're going to start a marketing company just called Bottom of the Barrel Marketing. <laughs> oh. People liked that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, it was like uh, something about we're not the best, but if we're your last resort, we'll still get the listens. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. 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 Our, our mugs and t-shirts aren't the best, but hey, if, you, if you're currently not wearing a shirt and you're cold, if, well, if they you run out provide, of other stuff to buy. Yeah. They'll provide some warmth. I'll, you take, know? I'll take your last dollar just as much as your first. If you don't have a coffee mug, well, this one will certainly <laughs> hold coffee for you. <laughs> we're great business majors. <laughs> we're the best business majors. No, here's here's why this is a better mug than any other mug. It's because your girlfriend made the art. That's true. And it's great. She did make the art. It's really great art. Actually, just I like that it's orange on the inside, too. It like feels... I was really happy. Really cool. When our, when our the inside person, is colored as well. She sent me the mock-up, and I was like, wait, is it orange on the inside too? And it was, yeah, and I pretty, liked it a lot. It's pretty fancy, to be honest. It's pretty fancy, you know? Anywho, I think that about does it. So if, uh, if you've made it through our bottom-of-the-barrel shilling and you still like us enough to try to support this show, one way you can do it is to go over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes on your computer, leave us a rating and review. That helps bump us up the rankings, the charts, and all that, but also lets us know how we're doing, what we can do to improve the show. So if you got thoughts, let them be known. Beyond that, thanks, as always, for hanging out, and we will see you in next week's episode. Thank you.